Everyone has something in their life that can be a stressor. But some people deal with their situations in more positive ways in order to take control. It's not difficult. You can do this too. Welcome to Thinking Hypnotically, Living Mindfully with your host, Rusty Williams. In this program, you'll learn how using hypnosis and mindfulness can lessen the stress and strengthen your life. Now, here is Rusty Williams. Well, good morning, everyone. Happy Wednesday. I hope you're holding up okay. We're entering our third week, our third third full week, I should say, of being completely quarantined in our home here. I hope you are holding up well. Uh, just a reminder, don't forget to check out our website at njhypnosistraining.com. You can find us on all the usual social media sites. And you can email me at 13.rwilliams at gmail and make sure you put on that .com or it's not going to go anywhere, is it? Well, last week, if you remember, we talked about hope and we talked about the skills we can use to let go of stuff. Um, We call it garbage, stuff that we don't need, stuff like negative thoughts and, and even words. And in doing so, we have a really good chance of keeping a positive mindset and our outlook on life can really literally change our bank our brain chemistry and there are a lot of studies a lot of there's a lot of research not just anecdotal research um, that shows that by just having that positive mindset using mindfulness mindfulness which is going to be my little teaser about where we're going in just a few minutes we can actually change our brain chemistry our thought processes the way our brains are wired through what's called neuroplasticity so Today, we are going to talk about some mindfulness practices and strategies that can be used to help keep us in the present without worrying about tomorrow or regretting yesterday. And specifically, we're going to be discussing these practices for young people, adolescents who, especially in these days, no doubt are impacted by stress and worry, even anxiety. And today, we're fortunate to be joined by a special guest a guest who specializes in mindfulness-based stress reduction practices for teens. With us this morning is Gina Beagle. Gina is a psychotherapist, researcher, speaker, and author who specializes in mindfulness-based work with adolescents. An expert and pioneer in bringing mindfulness-based approaches to youth, she is the founder and CEO of Stress Teens, which has been offering her mindfulness-based stress reduction for teens program to adolescents, family, schools, professionals, and the community for over 15 years. She's the author of numerous books, including her latest, Take in the Good, Skills for Staying Positive and Living Your Best Life. Gina, good morning and welcome to the show. Good morning, Rusty. Thanks for having me. Uh, it is it is a pleasure, and I mean that um, sincerely. When I got your book months ago, I had no, you know, there's no way... When when I when I got your book, the, the latest book, Taking the Good, and and I started reading it to do a little research for today's show, there's no way that I could have known, and I doubt, unless you have a crystal ball, you could have known when you were writing it, how timely it would be for for these days, and I, I just the the timing of you being on this show, and we're going to get into the meat of the book in in just a minute, and other projects that that you're involved with. But the, the strategies and the practices are just phenomenal. So I want to thank you for that. 
Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate it. It's just, you know, it's, it's got my, my heart in it. It's, it's a compilation of, you know, things I've been thinking about for my entire career in this, in the mindfulness community. And, um, interestingly, the artist, um, is a teen and in, in college herself. So the person who illustrated it is definitely has that youthful appeal and, and so it was such an honor to get to work with a young artist as well and help her in her career. And, and I think bringing, bringing those illustrations to light in the way she did, I think, also makes it so warm and appealing to people. Well, and it's, it says, I'm, I'm looking, I have the book right here in front of me that it's illustrated by Brianna Chambers. And let me tell you, folks, Jana did a phenomenal job with the illustrations. It just, it brings your, it certainly brings your words to life. And I'm assuming that was, that was your intent. Absolutely. I mean, if you saw my drawings, you'd see stick figures, but I, I, I would literally draw like little stick figures and little things and she would transform it into these beautiful pages. So well, she did a great job. So I, I, I read your bio, you know, this is what I found on, in, the, in, the, in the books, on the internet. So that's the, the overview of who Gina is. But I'm curious because I wasn't able to find this and maybe you can share with everyone how and why teenagers how did you get involved in them working with them and and is there a why behind it um you know it's interesting i i got into it kind of a happenstance um i is when i my first actual internship if you really want to hear the true story here's the true story so my first internship i was working in um an inpatient drug um rehab uh, for women and doing some work at a high, at a, a program for high schoolers who are having problems with substance. And I would go back between the two. And my supervisor at the time said, you know, you, you really have a thing for teens. And I kind of thought, mm, okay, I didn't really feel it, but I was like, okay, I'll just listen to her. I mean, I was like, I was in my early twenties at this point. I, I went through college pretty fast and my program really fast. So anyway, I was going to Santa Clara university and um, a large HMO of supervisor from there um, from Kaiser Permanente came and they had an internship that was in the child and adolescent psychiatry department at Kaiser. And so I went there and um, you know what I found? It was so interesting is working with teens. I just kind of felt, felt, felt myself like, although I'm, I have the maturity and the intelligence of an adult. I still resonate with those teen years. I still resonate with that teen who's suffering, who's experienced trauma, who really needs the advocate, someone to support them. And when I started working with teens, I just felt like, I don't know. I just felt like I got them. They got me. And what I, when I first got into the adult MBSR mindfulness-based stress reduction program, I learned it in grad school from through Shauna Shapiro, who has a book out actually right now, um, through John Kabat-Zinn and um, Saki Santorelli. Um, and I was, you know, sitting on retreats. I was taking in all this adult information and seeing how it would either work for me or not. And when I was, you know, practicing it with my clients, their teens, and so I was trans transforming this information that I had received in this adult content to work for me because some of the practices to me were really long. The sitting practices were sometimes an hour. And if you don't have really proper instruction and you're told to just sit for an hour, you can really go into a lot of deep, deep places and and not necessarily healthy places. If you don't have the skill to attend to things that actually serve you and if you don't know better. And so I would take the practices I was learning in the adult world and then I was translating them for myself and then I started using them with my teen clients and it's they started they worked amazingly well. I worked in a hospital that used a ton of different evidence-based therapeutic approaches 
And I was seeing these huge changes with the mindfulness content compared to those like CBT and DBT and other approaches. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with other approaches. I'm just saying that when I was offering them, I was seeing changes with the mindfulness content that I hadn't seen with others. And um, I asked if I could do a group there where I was working and they said no. And um, said they thought I was a little crazy for wanting to do it. And I said, well, what if I do it as a research study? And they said, um, they said, okay. And I think that the caveat there was that the IRB and this large division of research was never going to approve it. Well, they did. And they said, I would only teach it once. Well, I taught it for eight years. It was the highest attended group in that department. Um, it had a huge, you know, just a lot of staying power. And the only reason it stopped is because I left um, the job there. So it's kind of amazing. When I first started also, there weren't a lot of people doing this work. And a lot of people thought that mindfulness for young people wouldn't work. And um, that made me want to do it even more, to be honest, because I kind of am, um, you know, when someone tells you you can't do something, <laughs> I get, I don't know. Oh, we're in good company. Yeah, I get a little uh, motivated to show prove them wrong. So, so, um, so you, you've been doing this since before mindfulness became the the, the newest buzzword and, and the newest craze. You talked craze. You talked about John Kabat-Zinn. What, what, you know, what, what, you were working with truly the pioneers fifteen years ago with this. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, mindfulness is in adult mindfulness has been around since 1979. The MBSR program started at UMass Medical School and, you know, one year after I was born. So it definitely has been around longer than, um, you know, the, the, young, the youth programs. And so the youth movement for mindfulness is definitely in the nascent stages compared to the adult work. And I would imagine... And, it's, and I'm, I'm taking what I've, and I have your book here in front of me, and I, I got, I, you should see it, Gina, there's there's more dog-eared pages and, and highlights. I, it doesn't even look like a book anymore, I apologize. But, oh man, you got to take a picture of that and send it sure, to me. Sure, absolutely. Yeah. But, but from reading it, I, I'm looking at it, and, and you know, I doubt there are, and I'm, I, I, maybe there are, but I'm, I'm assuming that most of our listeners right now are adults, and maybe even some of the adults who have children. And I, as I'm reading this, I'm thinking, wow, I wish I knew this when I was doing my work as a youth minister at, at the church where I served. I wish I knew this stuff when I was the school resource officer at a high school for 10 years, because I'll tell you what, it's there, there's some great strategies. But as I'm reading it, I also found myself, my wife and I, sometimes we'd read it together at night, and we're, we're making notes and we're saying, we can do this, we can do this. And over the past three weeks, some of the strategies, and you call them practices, which I love, and we're going to get into that in a minute. I I, I found that people, I, I would say teenagers of all ages, kids of all ages, Absolutely. this book is, re and, and the strategies and the practices are relevant for. You know, I think that most of my work, particularly in the last few years, the books that I've written, this book, um, the Be Mindful uh, book that is also with Shambhala as the publisher, um, are definitely for adults as well. I think my program, although was created for teens um, over the last few years. I've also been doing a lot of trainings for professionals and doctors and, and adult MBSR and just using my content because in one day you can't really teach um, the traditional MBSR program. So in my opinion, the, the work in this book is for pretty much everyone. Um, the only difference truly between my work and maybe some of the traditional formal MBSR or mindfulness-based stress reduction is that the practices are a bit longer 
um, mine, I feel like are more applicable and approachable to the everyday person who's got life, you know, I mean, how do we bring mindfulness and these practices to the, you know, 15 and a half hours of the waking, waking day, if there's 16 hours in a day, and you spend a half hour of mindfulness, formal mindfulness practice, there's 15 and a half hours left in that day to bring mindfulness and positive neuroplasticity practices to take in the good the rest of the day. And why not attend to those times instead of just the half hour? And I, I, I'm thinking to myself as you're saying this, I'm wondering, now I, I, I think I know why this book resonates with me. My attention span, maybe a flea has the same attention span as I do. <laughs> and, and these practices are so simple. When I learned mindfulness, and I learned it as an adult just, just some years ago, I found myself really connecting with some of the practices and the other practices, the, the other strategies, the other exercises, techniques, whatever word, meditation, whatever word you, you, you want to throw in there. It felt like it, it wasn't enjoyable. It was more like, how do I get through this? And I think it brings me back when I was in seminary, we had a block of instruction on contemplative prayer. And in that, we had a practice meditation. Now, I, I was a, a cop. I forget about meditation. I thought all this stuff was all fooey and come on, <laughs> you, you, you can't convince me anything different. Um, and so, the, the instructor was trying to instill upon us, I guess the Buddhists would call it the empty mind. And Gina, I can tell you that I've never been so frustrated in my entire life in trying to get to a place of having an empty mind. And I remember, you know, that we all have triggers. We all have those anchors, maybe is, is a better word, that, that we anchor a feeling to, to an, an, an incident or, or something that happened in our life. And from that moment on, I the, the thought of meditation, it, I, I, I ran away from it because it was so painful to me. Long uh, Then fast forward years later, here I am, learning hypnosis and part of hypnosis, we all want to, we instill in our, our clients' mindfulness practices. And I thought, oh my God, what an opportunity that I missed, that my instructor missed back in seminary. And the, the way you explain it, everyday stuff that we can use different techniques for mindfulness. So that being said, let, we'll use this as the foundation. And then on the other side of, of an upcoming break, we'll talk about how we can put it to use. The kids today, the, the young adults, the teenagers, our, our young people, our future, let's face it, what are they experiencing that maybe I didn't when I grew up in the 60s and 70s? It, it, is, is it any different? Is the anxiety different? Is, is it worse? Can, can you talk about that just for a minute or two? Absolutely. I, I mean, I definitely think it's more prominent and it's worse than it was even, you know, 10 years ago. I think a lot of it has to do with just being kind of bombarded with social media and the access to all of these, you know, images that, you know, I need to look like this and I need to be like this and I, I need to master all of these things. And basically you're having a lot of teens that are just extremely overscheduled and they are spending their, the time which they should be sleeping, many of them on, you know, social media. And, the thing is, is that they need to sleep. Young people need sleep. And, the, and you know, we could speak about this too after the break, but I, I'm teaching right now to teens during this pandemic. Um, I have two different groups going on and online with teens all over the world. And I have to tell you, it's been pretty eye-opening to me to see how teens are responding, to see what, what skills that they already have, what they're doing, how they're dealing with it. Um, 
it's been very it's been very interesting because the focus for them isn't as much on the surface um, that maybe I would have heard, you know, a month ago of like, oh, so-and-so doesn't like me. So-and-so, you know, didn't like my post, my, my this or that on social and the shifting of what the teens are dealing with today right now in this pandemic is, is quite interesting as well as I have a student right now in my teen group who actually has the virus. Um, Yeah. So it's, it's definitely, you know, I feel like I'm, I'm getting frontline experience with hearing their, what they're going through and their struggles. And I think it's worth speaking to because they're kind of blowing my mind in a really positive way, you know? Well, I, and when, as you were talking, I'm thinking, you know, you, you were surprised at the way they're responding. And I was hoping that it would be, has surprised you in a, in a positive way as absolutely. opposed to, no, is, absolutely. Is, it, is it the anxiety, the stress of just everyday life of being a teenager? I remember when I was working in the high school, you know, what, what the kids were exposed to and you talked about social media and and the likes um i remember growing up and our parents being able to kind of shelter us kind of shield us kind of protect us from the news well with the internet parents can't do that kids can just log on and see what's going on and they can also see the spins of of the, the actual facts well, is also, that is that impacting uh, the kids yeah but not to be disrespectful I mean you have parents who are glued to the news too and so you know it, it, and myself included right it's like having the boundaries setting boundaries healthy boundaries around news watching and what news you watch right so we're all watching watching this this together is or what we're feeling as parents and adults are our kids picking up on that? Is that playing a role? Absolutely. Uh, Yes, definitely. Um, And I'm assuming there's things that we can do, that we can help our kids, whether it's build some resilience, have some coping strategies and things like that, if if we know what to do. Would that be a fair statement? Yeah, I mean, I think modeling some appropriate boundaries around, you know, our, our kind of our news hygiene, what we watch, what we engage in, and you know, also engaging ourselves as parents in healthy activities that they can be engaging in, um, you know, on every day, which I can get into as well. Oh, you, you mentioned, and, and here's what we're going to do. Uh, I, I have a big asterisk in my notes, the stress hygiene plan that, that you came up with, and you just used the word news hygiene. So maybe this will be a good point, a g- good place to break. And when we come back, maybe you can pick up on what you mean by why you use the word hygiene and the stress hygiene plan and maybe how we can sh- share that as adults with our kids and how we can help our kids cope better. And maybe they'll even help us cope better. So why don't we do that when we get on the other side of this break? And we'll be back right after these words. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit VoiceAmerica.com forward slash live events 
to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. You're listening to Thinking Hypnotically, Living Mindfully. To reach the program today, you're welcome to call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. If you'd rather send Rusty an email, his email address is 13.rwilliams at gmail.com. Now back to Thinking Hypnotically, Living Mindfully. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back. Here we are, second segment of our show here. Before we go any further, Gina, for our listeners, how can they find you? How can is there can they follow you on any social media? If they want to get in touch with you, how can they contact you? What's the, the best way they can go about doing that without stalking you? <laughs> Stressteens.com is my website. Training at Stressteens gets an email directly to me. Um, I am teaching, uh, I'll be teaching some new uh, mindfulness groups for teens online, a four-week class on the 16th of April, which I think is really appropriate for what's going on right now. Um, Teens really need this stuff right now. So uh, if you're interested, you know, go to my website. There's a lot of free resources on there, a lot of videos, a lot of trainings that you can access. There's some um, mindfulness practices on the homepage you can listen to and download and share. I'm all about sharing and providing resources. I am one of those people that want to give, give, give stuff. So please check out the homepage and watch a few free videos on the homepage right now. There's even one for um, parents and teens and mindful getting along at home because right now I know that... uh, for a lot of us under shelter, it, you know, you didn't necessarily pick the person you you're sheltering with. So <laughs> you there have we to go. Well, that talk that. about timely. Yeah, I think we're all going to you. You we might crash your website with that one. Um, <laughs> where and as far as your book, because I'm sure people are going to want to purchase Gina's book. There's an embedded suggestion. What, where can they find your book? What's the best way they they can? Obviously, we're sheltering in place. Is it the usual online bookstores? Yeah, you know, and Amazon's a great resource. Um, you know, Amazon, I think, would be easy. It's You can buy it directly from my website. There's a whole bunch of different um, bookstores. But, you know, right now, easy if you've got, you know, Prime, get it on Amazon, and it'll get to you. The prices are pretty good on my books right now. Great. All right, and speaking of your book, we're going to get to that in just a moment. But let's finish up talking about what you're seeing with young people right now. What Can you finish up and, and yeah. that'll segue right into maybe how you you came up with with the title from the, for the book and things like that. What are you seeing now with with the teens you're working with? Well, it's so interesting as I'm often talking with teaching teens um, that aren't going through a pandemic 
about basic needs, you know, to notice your basic needs when they're being met. Because if you notice your basic needs are being met, you notice you have resources, you have things you can look toward that are helping you, fulfilling you, supporting you. Um, Basic needs being, you know, shelter, food, clothing, water. And the thing is, is not everyone has them, but a lot of us do. And it's not to feel bad for having those privileges. It's that you have them. And so these, these are these resources that we have that we can turn to when we're feeling kind of miserable. And in, in addition to those basic needs, there are these like fundamental needs that we all have for safety, satisfaction, and our connection. And what I found, I was about to teach teens last week on this group I'm teaching about basic needs. And when I talked to talked with them about things they're grateful for or things that they're doing right now, many of them are really aware of their basic needs right now because so many of them it, it, their 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 needs have changed. Their wants have changed. What they were maybe wanting and focusing on has shifted to, hey, you know, I have food. How do I get food? You know, I have luck. I'm lucky because I have a house or a roof over my head or I have clothes or I'm not on the street, you know, or whereas some some schools, for example, don't have the because they're not in place. Kids aren't getting food. And so a lot of them were bringing up basic needs as the things that they were grateful for and that they were being met for them. And that was really interesting to me that they were already kind of in that space. At the same time, that can be hard to look at because maybe they're hypervigilant and focused on it. In this particular group, it wasn't that. It was really about being grateful that they had those needs being met for them. Another area I talk about in my book and in my work with young people and for us all is the need for self-care of giving, you know, giving attention to to and engaging in ways to support your physical and psychological well-being. That's how I define self-care. And it's really important to be, you know, engaging in micro moments of self-care. So self-care doesn't have to be a whole day of of self-care. You know, a lot of times people think they have to set a whole day aside. But really it's what are what can you do even like as I call level one self-care from one minute to 15 minutes a day that let you let you know that you matter, that you're showing up for yourself. And what I find is that these teens were engaging, you know, in mindful baking, finding interesting ways to connect with their friends, even though they can't be physically with them. And it was just really inspiring to hear the different ways that these teens are resourcing themselves which is something I teach in my book they're they're really taking in the moments that are good that they that they can take in at this time and what's what's great about taking in the good when you do that you're attending to something in the moment that's positive or pleasant and when you're enjoying it in the moment you're also creating a resource for yourself later so that when things are difficult you aren't on empty so to speak and creating that that resource uh you know, we, we call it a resource state of mind, but you're talking about a resource that we can go back to and visit so we don't run out of gas. And I, I love your analogies. And by the way, Gina's analogies in the book, they just get better. I have a whole list of the analogies and the metaphors that just keep piling up. And, and I, I love that. So it, it, these resources are really important for, for the teens. Yeah, I mean, I think they're important for all of us. The thing is, is yeah. you know, we have these indicator lights on our phones that let us know that our phones need charging. We have, you know, indicator lights in our car when we need gas or our car needs servicing. We don't have clear cut um, indicator lights on ourselves, you know, and it's learning to identify what those indicator lights are are because it's much d- more difficult to tolerate hard at times when you're on empty, when you aren't resourced, when you haven't, when you're hungry, when you're angry, when you're lonely, when you're tired. It's an activity in my book on on halt, getting your basic needs met. When you are 
aren't at your kind of baseline, you're more vulnerable to, you know, difficulties with your health, mental and physical. Sure. And uh, we we know there's research, and I love the fact that you talk about research-based practices and evidence-based practices. And we certainly know that, you know, when we're not doing well emotionally and mentally, a lot of times our physical health also suffers. Um, And then vice versa, when we're feeling crappy physically, it can, you know, lead us down a path of following emotions and feelings and fears and, and all that kind of stuff. And what you've been saying brought to mind something that, that I just find remarkable. You know, I, I think the, the teenagers, you talked about social media and, and, and going on it and, and seeing everything. And I can't tell you how many times I see people, put, and I'm sure their intentions are good, but, but when, when they put down these kids and, and these kids are only want this and they only want that, and they, they, they try to paint the generation behind us as a selfish bunch of well, I think of a word, but I probably can't say it right now. Um, and, and, and sometimes I, I just want to scream because, yeah, there's good and bad in everything. Let's face it, there's adults, and these kids are mirroring someone's behavior. You talked about what these kids are doing, that they're finding ways to connect with their friends, even though they can't be with them physically. They're physically, I, I think you said, mental, uh, mindfully baking, and, and the things that you've learned. And I find it amazing as adults, what we can learn from children, from young adults, if we just take the time and listen. Absolutely. I think that's why I also like working with teens so much is that although I might be judged by some adult counterparts and although teens can be very judgmental, I have found that they weren't judgmental of me. I found that if you're open and creating an awesome, mindful relationship with a teen, that you can really learn a lot from them as well as you teaching them. And so- yeah, I think it's anyway. It just it does. It warms my heart to see these the young people today. Um, I was with uh, I was teaching a professional class yesterday. I teach professional trainings online, and um, one of the professionals is also a parent, and her daughter turned sixteen yesterday. And I found it really, you know, I mean, definitely not the way you want to turn sixteen, right? You, you know, the yeah. idea of a sixteen, you want to go get your license, or you want to go out and have a party with your friends, etc. And um, it was so cute. She said that like some friend brought a present on, left it on the package. Another friend drove by, you know, and honked their horn and called them. So it was like finding ways to celebrate that young person and, uh, you know, while being physically distant. Um, By the way, I, I really disdain the word socially distant. I like the phrase physically distant because we're not asking people to not be social. There's lots of ways to be social. It's just we're asking people to, you know, keep physically distant from one another. Whoa, we, okay, I'm going to, I'm writing that one down. I'll give you full credit, I promise. But as soon as this show is over, I'm blasting that on social media. And I'm going to give Gene a big old full credit for it. So you heard it here first, folks. Thank you, Gene. I think that's wonderful. That's, you know, it makes sense. And we think social distancing and, and all the negative that can come from it. Um, so thank you for that. That's, that's great. Now, let me switch gears. Or let, let, let me use everything we've talked about so far because I want to give you an opportunity to talk about this phenomenal book, Taking the Good. How did it come about? And maybe you can share why it's presented in the way it is with just simple, easy to use practices and strategies. Sure. So I, one of my, my mentors, Rick Hansen, a lot of his work is on positive neuroplasticity and for adults. And so I took a training um, called 
a training with him a few years ago, or maybe more than a few years ago, and learned a lot about his work. And what I realized when I was with him and in this training is that it's kind of the next step to mindfulness. So when you're mindful, you are, you know, aware of your thoughts, feelings, physical sensations in the present moment. And when you are mindful and aware of your surroundings and your senses, et cetera, and more in the now, where do you put your attention? Do you attend to the negative or do you attend to the positive? Because with teens, with all of us, we can be mindful just as easily, if not more so because of the negative selection bias to the and the automatic kind of tilt to the negative as a protection for us. We can really actually just be mindful and focus of the pain, of the stress, of the negative, of the, you know, kind of the Debbie Downer. Wah, wah. It's like when we're mindful, we can focus on that. But how do we harness the focus toward the good and and taking those the opportunity to really harness the ability to notice things that are healthy for you, to focus on things that are good for you. Um, taking in the good is the process that I, I define it as the process of noticing, attending to, and taking in beneficial or good experiences as they're occurring. And we can teach our brains to tilt more to the positive with this active training. And Positive neuroplasticity is that process by which the brain's changing in response to experiences, particularly positive or pleasurable ones. It The brain wants and is seeking out positive, pleasurable moments. And when you attend to them, you are shifting away from that negative um, toward, and toward the positive. With, with what we're going through right now, how can, what suggestions, what, I don't know, techniques, practices... Any for, for those of us, and I know almost you know, you you said earlier we we are glued to the TV, we are glued to the news, and we're being bombarded, you know, because we know news sells and and fear is is a part of that. But when there's so much negativity going on, and so much worry, what can we do? Is there anything simple? Is there a strategy in the book maybe that we can do to just focus on that something good, even if it's just for. 15, 20 seconds, 30 seconds, is there a strategy we can use or is it just as simple as stopping ourselves and looking for something good? Yeah, there's so many, I, I don't even have a simple answer to that, to be honest with you. It's, it's, it's so, there's so many options when you, when you ask that question, there are um, so many different ways to go. I'm going to speak for a second. You mentioned a little bit ago about the, what I talked about is stress hygiene. Right. And everyone is very focused on, you know, staying physically distant around their, um, you know, cleaning and sanitization plan. And I, I do think those things are necessary. But what I think is also equally necessary is maintaining your health, both physically and mentally. And if your stress is too high, you are impairing your physical health, your immune function. You are making yourself more susceptible to this virus if you aren't healthy in the way of managing your stress. And so what I find is also just the anxiety, the worry is not going to do anything for anyone. Worrying does not change whether something, we can't control outcomes. We can't change, worry does not affect change. However, we can create plans. We can, you know, take action create action steps to deal with difficult things we can also kind of break our stressors down into what i call you know something that's more acute short-term manageable versus those that are more long-term and chronic and to start dealing with the things you can actually control first so you feel you know a sense of agency and that you have some 
effect on your current situation. I always, in my book, I call it riding the waves. And so you can consider your waves as stressors. So you can literally draw your stress waves. So draw your waves, draw what people, places, things, and situations, whatever stressors make up your waves, and then take those stressors that you've written and figure out which ones you actually can do something about, which ones are in your control, which are things that you could, you know, easily fix and get a couple of those on under your belt that you've, you know, taken care of. Then you feel like, Hey, I got this. I can do something about this. And then the longer terms are things you can't control. It's not that you're not going to have feelings about them. It's notice it. It's when we get stuck. It's when we attach to, it's when we push away. It's when we make our suffering and our stress worse by blocking out what is in this moment. Pair this, what I just said, with first you're going to notice what those stressors are, you're going to identify them, and then you tackle them. The other thing is to have resources such as like positive coping skills. My book has 130 positive coping skills, things to to do that are healthy for you. Um, I actually believe I have them on my website. I I provide them on social. What I'll do after the show is I'll put them on my homepage so you can download the 130 positive coping skills. A lot of times teens or anyone might say, I'll say, you know, what, what can they'll say? I'll say, what are you going to do? How do you deal with this? I don't know. I get, I don't know a lot or nothing. And it's like, here's 130 healthy things you can do to deal with when times are difficult or just when in any time. A lot of times we hold young people accountable for things we don't teach them. Maybe teens and us, all of us are engaging in negative, um, negative coping behaviors. They're not skills their behaviors because that's what we see that's what we've learned that's what's been modeled for us therefore we need to turn to positive coping skills we need to teach people that and we also need to pair that with self-care taking in the good doing things little things that you enjoy you know the cup of cup of coffee tea taking a shower going for a walk petting your pet little things that make you smile that bring you happiness and that that importance of, of making you smile and bringing you happiness and you know this much better than me with, with your background and your education, we know that those things really do trigger some of the feel-good hormones in our brain. And that alone can give us, you talked about getting a few things under your belt, like a few things that we can take care of, the, the small little issues that are causing us angst or fear or worry. And just those things that make us happy or make us smile in, in, the, in that routine, I, what a great bit of advice we can we can still find those things that make us smile and even give us give ourselves permission to laugh for sure i mean we all need also a little bit of mindful downtime it's okay to you know distract yourself from the news it's okay to you know watch a few hours of netflix i wouldn't you know binge watching all day might not be the best but you know it's okay to also have some healthy distractions it, well maybe Maybe this is a good place to, to stop here for the break because I want to get to your book. I, I, I have I, I got pages and pages of notes that I prepare for today, and I knew we weren't going to get to it. I knew when I have someone like you as a guest with your background, your expertise, your experience, that I'm not going to get to everything. But I really want to get to, to what's inside this book. Rusty, I've been talking all about the book. You just maybe don't realize it. This whole I last do, was the book is the I book. I know, but, but I'm looking at so many things I want to get to. All right. So well, on the other, me questions on the other I'm, side. I'm gonna I'm gonna start firing you questions, all right, and all we're right. gonna do that right on the other side of this break.
It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa. Play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. You're listening to Thinking Hypnotically, Living Mindfully. To reach the program today, you're welcome to call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. If you'd rather send Rusty an email, his email address is 13.rwilliams at gmail.com. Now back to Thinking Hypnotically, Living Mindfully. All right. Well, welcome back. Here we are back with Gina Beagle. And Gina, one more time, how can our listeners find you? What's the best way that they can get in touch with you? Stressteens.com. A lot of times people think I said teens. It's teens like teenagers. Stressteens.com. And there, they, there's a contact page. There's resources for them. And so if they want to shoot you a note or they just want to find the resources you've mentioned earlier, that's the best place to find you. Yeah, I'm going to put those 130 positive coping skills right on the top of my homepage. Um, there's also some free uh, videos that I recently did since this virus started to help uh, families kind of get a handle on it. I hope this radio show gives you some tips and tools as well. And um, yeah, I don't have anything else to say. <laughs> right, right. And, and I'm sure there's there's a at least mention there, if not a link, to your book, Taking the Good Skills for Staying Positive and Living Your Best Life. Yeah, there are links to all the different, there's details on all the books um, oh, that I've written, yeah, and um, links to them and resources from all of them actually on my website. Yeah, it's kind of not fair because we only have Gina for an hour and the books that she's written, the, the, another book is Be Mindful and Stress Less. I mean, we could, Gina, I could have you one for half a day and we probably wouldn't get through half the material here. So you, you said to just shoot away. Gina and I were talking over the break and I, I want to get to this book. The, the um, we, we talked about the um, more of an overview of, of the chapters, of the strategies, of the practices. And by the way, Gina, I love the way you distinguish that they're mindfulness practices, not mindfulness meditations. I think you said that in an interview I, I saw, and I, and I love that simple, easy practices um, for, us, for us to do instead of thinking we have to try to learn how to meditate. Um, so do you have – I'm going to – let me put you on the spot here. Is there a favorite – I mean, of, of all the strategies in, in, in taking the good, of all the practices, of all the suggestions, do you have a favorite? I, I do, actually. It's so oh, funny. So go that. ahead. 
Yeah, so, well, I talked a little bit about riding the wave, which I find useful for, it's so interesting, I was teaching at a hospital in Canada, professionals, and I thought, oh, I'll try the ride the wave, this was a couple years ago, I'll try the ride the wave with them, you know, I usually do it with teens, and and it was amazing how much they got out of doing it, so um, I started now doing it with adults as well, so the ride the wave is definitely a, you know, a great one. Um, because it's all, you know, waves change, right? So things that are in your waves, your stressors, they shift, they change, they wax, they wane. And so there's a lot of, you know, seeing the impermanence of those and how if you do them from week to week, day to day, they're going to be different. But another activity that I love is the one in which you can actually use to engage in positive neuroplasticity. And so I call it um, taking in the beneficial experiences with hot and it's a way to learn to resource yourself. So hot would be like thinking of a campfire, right? So if you have a campfire, you know, you need to get the, the resources to build that fire. So you need, you know, kindling, firewood, matches, etc. So that's kind of the, the going and cre- you have an experience or you go and create one. So in this example, you're going to have a campfire. So you get the, re- the things you need for that campfire. So you either you then look for something in your environment that you can attend to that's beneficial to you or you at your or you actively go and create something. So what I mean by that is either you let's say you have a garden outside or you have a backyard to walk in. So you can go in your backyard and notice pretty things to notice or you can go in and create a moment. So then you maybe you don't have a backyard. You go in then buy some flowers, let's just say. It's like how do you there's lots of wonderful things. They don't have to be these big aha moments. There's these moments, micro moments we all have of things that are good that we don't necessarily notice. It can literally be as boring as looking at your coffee cup, noticing what's pretty about it, noticing what you like about it, noticing how it serves you, noticing what you have in it, what that smells like. You can attend to those things. So the H is to have the beneficial experience or go and create one. So in this campfire analogy, which is in the book, it's, you know, you get the stuff for a campfire. Then you have the O of hot, open to the beneficial experience. So in this example, you know, of the campfire, you, you start the fire, you, you know, you're noticing the flames, you're noticing the environment, maybe you're noticing the stars. If you're outside, I'm just giving you this, you know, picture of this campfire. And so opening to a beneficial experience is, you know, while you're doing that experience, noticing it, noticing your thoughts that are arising, notice the feelings, notice your senses, notice, uh, letting your senses kind of come alive to what you're doing while you're doing it. And then the T is to take it in, to really savor the sweetness, take in the beneficial experience or the tea. You know, for example, if it's a campfire, maybe you, you get some s'mores, you get to have some mar- roast some marshmallows, you know, you're going to, you're going to add to that beneficial experience by kind of taking it in even far and even further you know the tea and so when you're doing that you're really a, you're holding to those moments you're not clinging to them you're taking them in a lot of times when people have kind of wonderful things to share in their life or good moments or successes we kind of tend to downplay them or not really share them a lot and a lot of that has to do with people thinking that you're got ego if you share it or you're you know it, it's it's you shouldn't be, you know, sharing your wonderful moments. It's that you have to fi- figure out who your kind of tribe or posse are to share those things with. Who are the people you can trust that support you? Because it's really important to share those positive, good things that happen in your life. You want people to really support you with them. It's important to attend to these positive moments. So the hot, have a beneficial experience, open to it, take it in is um, a, po- a way. If you do this 12 
12 to 15 seconds, six to nine times a day, just these little moments, you're engaging in positive neuroplasticity, you are creating new neural connections, you're creating these neural connections that shift away from the negative and toward the positive. You're shifting the focus of your brain to attend to and notice positive, healthy things for you. And by doing so, we can actually train our brain. And then we, like you said, neuroplasticity, our, tra- our brain, our train, our brain learns to start thinking about the more positive things instead of focusing on those things that are scary or those things that have caused us harm or those things that cause us anxiety. Right. And it, it's noticing, it's not that those other thoughts aren't going to arise. It's just sure. we don't need to give the, them extra attention. We don't have to give them brain time. We don't need to take a flashlight in a dark room and just shine it on those things that are negative. We can turn the light on the whole room and look around and see there's a lot of other things other than just that negative. It's still there. We're not making believe it doesn't exist, but it's it's looking around and seeing what else is out there. And the campfire analogy is perfect. And I believe that's page 23, isn't it? Um, you know, act- I, I won't put you on the spot. It is actually huh? page 85. 85. Okay. All right. Well, how about if we go to a different page? Because I have favorites. All right. So, hey, this is my show. I should be able to have one favorite I can talk about. I'm ready. So, I I love boating and your analogies of riding the wave. And there's another activity that you call urge surfing. But one that really stuck for me is what you call drop anchor. Okay. And and it's about, you know, holding... There's, there's something we can't see. An anchor drops down in the water. Even though we're not aware it's there, it, so maybe you can take it from there because I love the analogy. I love the metaphor, and I love the way it's helped me, and I'm telling you, as, as a hypnotist, as someone who practices mindfulness, I'm using the skills in your book right now to help me get through some of the anxiety that I've been feeling these past couple of weeks, and this has been a one that's really worked. So I'm not saying it's better than any of the others, but maybe you can explain it in a way that would help me Love it even more. All right, I'm ready. So, uh, so let's say you're in your you're in your rowboat. You're in your you're aware of your stress waves, and so you're in your your ocean right now. Just imagine, you know, you're in your boat, and you drop an anchor from your rowboat, and that anchor is there to hold you in place, right? So you don't just your rowboat isn't like just out aimlessly in the ocean. So it it, it grounds you. It anchors you to the moment. What's also interesting about this anchor is that even if the waves are really like strong and fierce on the top, most often when you drop an anchor deep below the surface of the water is calm, calm and still. And so the thing is, is that you want to figure out what are ways that you can get to your calm, still place? What are the things that allow you to kind of ground yourself, to drop into this moment? Mindfulness practice is one way to do that. A drop-in practice is something I created, which is really, it's like checking in with yourself. It's, it's kind of creating a, this drop-in. It's really checking in with you. A lot of times we're so connected to just the part of our head and our thoughts that we might be missing the cues and signs that our body gives off. And if you're noticing kind of our grounding focal points, what are your grounding anchors? So, you know, your fingers, your the sensations around your fingers or your hands, your toes, taking a walk. Literally, what are the things that can ground you in this moment when you are acutely stressed? But additionally, it's like, okay, when you drop in, when you you think about your calm, still place, 
Who are the people in your life that can support you right now? What are the places you can go that support you? What are the things that help you? Like literally physical things or songs, music, art, you know, what are the the books? What are the things that you turn to that help you? And in knowing that kind of creating that kind of resource list, creating a list of like 10 things that help you drop anchor, you know, that get you to your calm still place so that when... For, I'm just going to say it. It's not even for lack of a better word because I could come up for it with a better word, but that's not me. So when the shit hits the fan in your there life, you will, you need to figure out, okay, what can I turn to? Where can yeah. I go? You know, and so that's where that drop anchor comes in. It's also where those positive coping skills come in because sometimes the stuff's really going on. Life's really showing up and you got a lot of the feels. And when you got a lot of the feels, you need to have a nice little list like those positive coping skills to turn to. Because sometimes when you got a lot of feels or you got a lot of adrenaline or you're thinking a lot of things, it's hard to remember the things that chill you out and calm you down. So also, though, if you've ahead of time create a list of 10 things, you can literally look at that list and be like, OK, I can go do this and this will make me feel better. And you're, when you say make a list, we, we only have a few minutes to close. I mean, I've made an actual physical list. And in your book, you, you encourage that. So you're not talking about just make a list in your head. No. I've, I've, actually, made, I've actually made a, a physical list of, of those things that, that are my anchor that help me, you know, pay attention to, to my senses, to, to the awareness, that, that help ground me, the people that have supported me, some of the things I enjoy doing that calm me. And I've actually written them down so I don't have to rely on my memory because when you're stressed your memory's affected exactly and I can actually i can actually go to them and it's it's been my go-to guide and it really has anchored me and it's funny because maybe i love this too because in hypnosis we talk about anchoring techniques and how we anchor a suggestion to different things like that so this one just really really resonated with me and you would encourage people to actually make a physical list yeah i do i really do because a lot of times we don't engage in something that's healthy for us unless we see it so like putting out things notes on post-its like putting them in weird places like your bathroom mirror um, next to your bed on your computer um, on your phone you can put reminders for yourself you can put them in your calendar I mean there's lots of ways you can get creative with little positive reminders for yourself Um, I know personally this is really personal but I have a, a mantra that I put on different places and it mine says I am enough I am me with my gifts and flaws and for that I'm grateful and I had that I have it in front of me right now on my computer screen but I had it for a while all over because although I I teach mindfulness and I teach all of these things I am far from perfect and I am constantly a work in progress and sometimes I don't feel like I'm enough and so therefore I created that so find the ways in which you can anchor yourself when life shows up that and i what a better way to, to i can't think of a better way to end the show how's that that um the, these post-it notes and, and i am enough even with my flaws my gifts and and my imperfections and right now i think we really need to be gentle with ourselves so really th- quick, thank you for that. really quick there's a practice in my book it's called celebrating being perfectly imperfect And I think that if all of us right now are striving for perfection, we are all going to be very miserable and unhappy. Right now, especially, we need to give ourselves a little grace, a little ease. And, you know, we might be a little bit more sluggish, a little bit more less productive. You got to be kind to yourself and, and, and all of what's showing up for you right now. Excellent advice to take us 
out of this and take everyone into the rest of the week and the weekend. Gina, I want to thank you so much for giving up an hour of your day with us. I really appreciate it. Hey, it, folks, was uh, it was a pleasure for me. And folks, that's all we have for today. We will see you next week. Be safe, everybody. Thank you for joining us this week for Thinking Hypnotically, Living Mindfully. Your host, Rusty Williams, invites you to tune in again next Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time and 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We'll talk again next week.